welcome, welcome to, to the Dellingpot Delling with me, James Dellingpot. I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but before I introduce him, a quick word on behalf of our sponsors. Nutrahealth365.com A lot of you have been really enjoying their product, and I think it's the perfect thing, to perfect present to buy yourself to start the new year, the gift of health. Nutrahealth365.com do a vitamin D3 supplement with K2. The, the, the two things, vitamin D3 and K2, work together and they really boost your immune system. I've said before, and I'm not a doctor, but I think I'm right. If people had taken this stuff before the alleged pandemic, I think a lot fewer people would have got this covid bug that is allegedly going around anyway the, the people behind nutrahealth365.com are our people they're completely on side they're completely awake and i really hope you can support their product go to their website to read all up about about um vitamin d3 and and, and k2 and all all the benefits from it they also do a a, a supplement to improve your creaky joints which i'm quite interested to try as well uh, i've been taking their vitamin d3 and k2 and so far it has protected me from all the nasty bugs going around so i'm i'm really happy with it they were offering at the moment they're offering a free two-day tracked delivery on all orders and you get up to 20 percent off if you buy any three it's also worth noting that if you were to buy each of the components individually from the high street they could cost you up to five times as much anyway their best-selling product is immune x365 high-strength vitamin D capsule, which contains not just 4,000 IU of vitamin D3, but also zinc, quercetin, and vitamin K2. You can get it all at NutraHealth365.com. Please support them. Uh, all our, our, our sponsors deserve your support, and the product is good. I, I've been taking it, and um, I can vouch for it. Welcome! Welcome! To the Dallin Pod, Richard, Richard D. Hall. D. Hall. Richard, Richard, you are. You are I mean, I know yeah, I always I know say I'm excited, excited about, 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 about this week's special guest, guest and, and so on, so but actually, actually, you are, you one, are of one of the most, most requested, requested guests, guests that I've yet, that I've yet to have on my podcast. So I'm really, really pleased you finally made it. Thank you. Okay, it's a pleasure. Thank you. The information that I, Richard D. Hall, put forward in this interview is my honestly held opinion based upon information and evidence that I have been able to verify as is reasonably practical. Any assertions that I make are being made as a considered hypothesis, not as assertions of absolute fact. Um, um, now, now, before we, before we, before we go, we into, go into, into, to, into the, the, the main the topic, topic, I just got to say, say about, about how, how I first, I first came, across came across you. Mm -hmm. so, so, about... about Three years, Three ago, years ago, when I, when just, I just started, started to go down the rabbit hole, um, um, this, this family, family member, member um, started, started turning me on to, to, to interesting, interesting stuff from the internet that I should look at, you know, and, and, and this person, person sent me sent your deep dive, dive into the, the Joe Cox, Joe Cox thing. thing. And, and I wasn't, I wasn't quite, ready, quite for ready for it. I watched, I watched it. it. 
And, and I, thought, I thought, well, this is amazing. This is just like, he's obviously really done some extraordinary research and it, it kind of rings true, but come on. I mean, why would they do this? Why would they fake this stuff? And, and you can probably agree with me here that, that your, your research, it, the main barrier to it is not the accuracy of it. It's... You re to, to look at your stuff, you need a kind of initial comprehension that our governments, our authorities, are capable of doing unimaginably evil things. And most people just still can't accept that. Yes, I mean, that is a barrier that um, if you give people the conclusions of much of my research, they will reject it out of hand uh, because they haven't seen the detail and they don't want to know the detail because it's it's going to open up too many questions that they then have to look at that they, they haven't got time for. So yes, um, but I, I was going to, I've got some notes here on the Cox um, alleged assassination, as I call it, um, which I was going to discuss later. And, and in particular, the reasons why it was done, which you just mentioned, um, because you, as you just said that people, they think, well, why would they do that? Why would they do that? that? Well, I, I can explain some of that. I mean, it is in my film, but I can explain some more on it as well uh, a, a bit later on, on, on that. That would be, that would be that really would be interesting, interesting because, because I think, I think you're, you're the you're first, first person, person I've had on, on the, the podcast, podcast apart, apart from, from Ole, Ole Damagod, Damagod. Mm -hmm. to really, really talk, talk about, about the issue Oh, hang on, I'm, I'm hearing echo in my, 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 my... Are you hearing echo at all? Have, have you got I've the got echo cancellation on? Maybe you should put it on. Yeah, that would have been really annoying if we'd had echo in the... I'm sorry, anyway, so you were saying? Um, yeah, there's obviously a barrier, if, if, especially as people are, are mainly tuned in to mainstream news and they see something for the first time, like the, like the Joe Cox film, and don't bother to look carefully at, at the evidence then it, it is very difficult for them. Um, uh, and as you say, that, that they, they don't understand why this would be done or, or why the deception would occur. And I can talk about that later with regards to the motives of the Joe Cox incident, uh, yeah. which are quite interesting. Yeah, that's right. I, I, was, I was talking about... Uh, are you a fan of Ole Damgaard? I've not lost, um, watched a lot of his stuff, but I've, I've listened to a few of his interviews, and yeah, yeah, he, he seems like a good guy, and he's he seems to be looking at the much deeper picture. He goes further than just looking at the evidence. He looks at the at the occult and the sort of belief systems of those who are uh, orchestrating this. So he's he's looking into the minds of those who are doing it rather than just their motives, I think, and and their ideologies. Uh, which I don't spend a lot too yes. much time on. I go more by the evidence and, and sort of forensically looking at the evidence. Whereas he's more yes. looking at forensically examining their minds as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, but like I say, I'm not, I don't spend too much time looking at other researchers' stuff, but I, I have listened to some of his interviews. Yeah, the, the, the reason I mention him is because I noticed that even among awake audiences there is an element which simply does not want to believe what he is is saying for example he talks about crisis actors now i i really like the way by the way you start your your video series 
on the on the Manchester Arena alleged bombing by show what you show a video of this American company which specializes in in faking disasters with 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 people with hideous injuries and you know amputations and things and it tells the story for you very well yes uh, yeah i mean that's important for people to realize that they they, they stage th these things all the time and they admit to them and they use all of this hollywood and military type dummy explosions to do it so it's just one step away from then doing the same but but presenting it to the media as though it were real rather than an exercise it's the next sort yeah. of step up in reality if you like or or, or fakery uh to then uh get the media to say that it is real which is which is what they've done uh, i mean my my belief is that from around 2013 the fabricated terror using real deaths changed to fabricated terror using fake deaths i think there was some decision high up that uh because both both methods bring a number of problems so with with, with real deaths you've got you've got dead you've got relatives of the deceased who are looking for truth who are not going to go away whereas if you've got um relatives of people who are either still alive or who died in another scenario and they've been paid they are going to go away they're not going to bother you so um but then it's a higher level of fakery because if you are going to kill people in in a staged attack, uh, i.e. a false flag attack where it's not the person that you've blamed on, you, you've blamed it on, uh, it's it's a lot less complicated because you're just planting a bomb and you're going to kill people. Whereas whereas to stage the entire aftermath and fake the injuries, etc. etc. It's 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 a lot more work involved, which is what I, I would suggest they've done in Manchester and a number of other uh, incidents. So it's more complicated, but I think the I think the the actual dealing with the some of the problems afterwards, if they get it right, it could be easier for them. Yes, I I see. So sort of the initial the initial investment, the, the mm -hmm. initial outlay, although greater than it would be for a real event, mm -hmm. it pays dividends in the end because there's less fallout ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Unless you get people like me come along. <laughs> yes yes if it hadn't been for that pesky richard d hall <laughs> what so you said 2013 why why was that the the, the watershed well, year it, well they don't invite me to their tea parties so i don't know why why um but that's if you would just if you just look at them and draw a table of of the ones that appear to have had real deaths with the ones that don't that's when it seemed to change. With, with Sandy Hook, I would say, with possibly being one of the earlier ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'll get you in trouble. <laughs> how, much did, how much Allegedly. did Alex Jones get sued for? <laughs> yeah, well, there's a video on my website uh, with, with a discussion about that with Nick Collistrom, and, you know, still there. They haven't come after me. So does that my mean... Opinion. I'm just... I'm just trying to think of the ones that were real. For example, the Madrid train bombing. That does that yeah. predate? That's clearly real. You can see the carriage with just a massive hole in it where where the people were. Yeah, obviously that was real. Okay. So when was the sort of the last real one in your? Oh, I've not researched that for this interview, um, but uh, I would need to go and look at the look at some data in order to ascertain that. But obviously, the London bombing, people really died. 
9-11 people really died and as you say in Madrid I think Madrid was 2006 uh, if I might be wrong on that but um, yeah but the, the, they and then we had Boston in 2013 which is an obvious staged event and, and possibly Sandy Hook in my opinion <laughs> uh, in yes, 2012-2013 and a number of others it's interesting in the UK, you say Boston you, yes you know all the ones they've done on bridges I think they're all staged you know they, they do you, th I, I want, do you think there's some kind of occult symbolism in the use of bridges no, I think, uh, well, I'll tell you why I think they used bridges is if you look at the um, um, the Boston bombing, right, what happened there was there was, there was there was at the end of the Boston Marathon, so it was in a built-up area with lots of tower blocks, right, and it just so happened that there were two people in two of those tower blocks who had mobile phones, and they, they took a se two different people took sequences of high-definition images. As soon as, the, as soon as the blast happened, they started taking photographs, okay, so there's two sets of photographs from two different angles which show a lot of detail of what, of what happened. And that was what enabled the guy to make the film to expose it all. Without those photographs, it would probably not have been exposed as well as it was. So because there were buildings alongside of, of the marathon, that's exposed the whole hoax, right? So if you, if you want to do your false flag in a city, like London, for example, Bridge is the only place that doesn't have buildings running alongside of it. So as all you have to do is close the bridge at each end very momentarily to stop to stop the traffic that isn't part of the operation going along, and there's no one can get a photograph of it. So that's why they've done it on bridges. Yeah. I see. Um, and actually, while we're on this subject, where where are you on sort of Bataclan and and um, the, yeah, you know, yeah, the various not, French attacks? I, I'm not one of these researchers who sort of looks at everything and uh, tries to, I, I'll go into certain things and get my teeth into it and go into the level of detail. I, I, I'm aware of it. I, I don't know any of the details of it. So I've not looked at how it. Did, how did you get into this? How did I get into it? Well, it started w with an interest in ufology in the subject of UFOs, which sort of stemmed from my interest in engineering. So I, I, I first got interested, uh, there was a, a whistleblower called Bob Lazar who claimed to know how flying saucers worked and claimed that he'd worked on them at Area 51. And he put forward this explanation of how the physics of how this craft worked. And it just fascinated me. So for, for several years, I was interested in that subject. And then when I, when I eventually got, got a slot at Edge Media Television, that, that's mainly what I was sort of discussing and reporting on. On, on UFO cases. That's what Rich Planet was set up originally to look at. And then having got involved with Edge Media in 2008, 2009, <clears throat> um, I, I then started discovering other things, such as 9-11. And that would be the first thing that really opened my eyes when I, when I met Andrew Johnson and um, Dr. Judy Wood. And, and from then, I, got a, uh, I became interested in just the deception in general and high-level cover-ups, high-level uh, crime that goes right to the top, um, crime which is not done by members of the public or um, even organised crime, for example. I'm not really interested in that. I'm interested where the malfeasance is at the highest level, at a government level. And so if you look at the films that I've made, generally they are 
they're not necessarily just looking at false flags or or, or what have you. They're they're just looking at uh, cover-ups or or um, anything where the, um, the perpetrators have been completely deceptive. Uh, and sometimes it's organised from the start, like Manchester. I reckon there was at least a year's plan and went into that. Whereas something like the Jill Dando assassination, that happened. That was unexpected. So that, in other words, the security services or whoever have, have organised the cover up. They're just getting into gear as soon as the event happens. It's similar with Madeleine McCann. That was another one. That wasn't planned in advance. That was a cover up which happened after after an unexpected event. <clears throat> Yeah, so um uh, it hasn't made you very popular with the um with the the powers that be, has it? Yeah, well we don't we don't get born onto this planet to win popularity contests. Or well, I don't. <laughs> um same. I yeah. think we have we have that in common. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um I mean, I mean th- it's, they, to me to we, me it's to me it's like I feel such disgust. They, 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 they would even try to fool me in that way that they would that they've got the arrogance to think that that, that with this trick they're going to fool me. You're not going to fool me. You know you're not going to get away with it. I'm going to expose yeah. you. Don't try and fool me. Don't try and think you're cleverer than me. You know. Don't j- just stop this shit. That they it's it is just it's it's pathetic. It's arrogant, and it's it's. But people don't realise the reach that the security services have and the power that they have. They have power over all of the emergency services if they want to. They, you know, the, the, they're untouchable by the law. Um, they can set up fake companies. They can set up fake websites. They can infiltrate anyone. You know, the the the, the reach and the and the scope of the intelligence agencies is something which your average man on the street has just got no appreciation of. The the people working for them. I mean, when I was at, at, at university, I felt very disappointed that, that I, I wasn't, they didn't try and recruit me to MI5 or MI6. <laughs> I thought it would be a kind of badge of honour. Because yeah. in those days, I believed in all the kind of the James Bond narrative, you know, that these yeah. people worked for the country and that, you know, and I, I believed in the union flag and, and all that. Um, the people that they recruit do you think that it's because they're psychopaths or is it because they they are decent people who want to do good and then get corrupted where they get sucked into the system and realize that that in order to get on they have to do things that previously they would have considered unethical yeah i think that well the first thing that they look at is how intelligent someone is that's very important to them um but after that, I think that the, the, the type of personality that they have would be then um, placed into a particular project or particular, um, you know, to do certain things. I mean, one interesting book you can look at is, um, oh, it's on my shelf, Richard, um, Richard Tomlinson. He started off as an MI6 agent, right? And then, which he did, he did just described in his book, normal work, spying on... Um, Iranians to see if it's, to see whether they're developing nuclear weapons and this sort of thing, um, but gradually he got more and more disillusioned with it. So he was being asked to do more nefarious things, and eventually he ended up running away from them. And and you know they I think they arrested him or they tried to arrest him. So 
that book sort of gives you a, a picture as, as to how someone who work who who starts working for them how their career can pan out and then become the other thing you have to realize i think is that people who organized the manchester incident probably don't think they've done anything wrong they would just say look um these terrorist attacks may happen so if we test our our security services with a with a dummy one and fool the fool the media and fool the public then we'll be better prepared for an actual one so it was a good exercise even though we duped everyone that's the way they would look at it so that's i mean if you really... notice what if if you notice what came out of the inquiry they said oh this service wasn't fast enough to do this and they they failed here and they failed there even though they the 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 emergency services were deliberately held back they would say that it was it was maybe a learning exercise in how to manage the media a learning exercise in how to manage all different aspects for people who thought it was real um but then that to me that's that's it's not good enough it's not good enough to 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 do something like that just for that purpose to do to do to try and dupe the entire population um it's just morally completely wrong and, and they, sh they shouldn't be doing it <laughs> yes, well, I think I think we we agree on that. So, so they, I don't think the, they they think oh ha 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 I'm I'm like an evil um I, I'm doing evil. No, I don't think they, they I don't think they think that. I think they just think they they're going to their job. And and bear in mind also that each one of them will have a very tightly defined part of that role. You know, you'll have one person who might be transcribing someone's phone calls. You might have one person who's just trying to recruit the actors. You might have one person, you know what I mean. So they're all just doing one tiny part of the project. Um, I mean, who's at the very top? Uh, because if if you look at the numerology that was put into um, the Manchester incident, the, the number twenty-two is everywhere. I don't think anyone can look at the data and 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 not not think that they've deliberately put that number in. You know, it, it's everywhere, and you think, well. Why would if I was organising such an event like that, right? I wouldn't. I wouldn't lumber myself with having to place the number twenty-two. You know, all of the all of the hearings and everything were always on the twenty-second. Every news release was on the twenty-second. Uh, there were there, there were twenty-two people arrested. There was twenty-two pieces of shrapnel. There was. It, it's everywhere. It's it's clearly obviously being put in there. Now, why would you lumber yourself with the with the the task of not only is it so tricky to organise, but also insert that number? For some sort of occult reason, so it makes me think that the the, the person who's ordered it, or the organisation that or, that has ordered it, has said, "Yeah, and by the way, you need to put this number in." They're not they're not getting their hands dirty with it. Do you see what I mean? It's it's sort of a, a requirement from outside. We are occultists, and we want this number throughout. We want it, we want this message embedded within the whole thing. It's it's um, but yeah, I don't think the thing was hatched in the UK there's there's a lot oh. of american influence in it but that still doesn't mean it was hatched in america i mean obviously the the tar the <clears throat> the alleged terrorist was um from libya um so you have to suspect some possible israeli involvement if they're trying to demonize libya um the, the, the state that that israel wanted would want to um well I don't think they were. They, they'd already removed Gaddafi, and I don't think they were happy with the way it was going after they'd removed him. So they still wanted more military activity, and I think that was one of the one of the motives for it. 
because because drone strikes went up in went up massively in in um, Libya after the Manchester event. So it was used as an excuse for further military activity in Libya. Um, but I don't think that was the only motive. Um, I've forgotten so who's prime minister. What I'm saying is, you have, is to, it... you have to suspect a possible is, Israeli involvement in 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 the in the in requesting the operation. I think. Right. Or, or well, even though I think it make... was, it, it, the US were involved as well. Well, I. Th this seems to be the case that there seems to be this sort of Israel, the US, and the UK. The, the the sort of dirty triad, whatever you want to call them, they've got their fingerprints over mm. everything, haven't they? Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and there was an argument that 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 really, despite the sort of the rift in seventeen seventy six, that really America is just continuation British deep state mm -hmm. the, uh, mm -hmm. and and also the city of london is the real controller of everything and that mm -hmm. and that yeah yeah i can mention that later in relation to joe cox actually yeah oh oh um, good um yeah. just on the number 22 i mean i'm i'm familiar with 33 as one of mm -hmm. their favorite numbers and obviously they love 666 as well D have you looked into what 20 uh, 22 means not really i think it means work ethic or you know the the in Freemasonry, somebody told me that, but I I don't I haven't dwelled too long on it. There's so much evidence to look at. Yeah, uh, it's the sort of thing that Oli Damagard would look at, isn't it? It probably <laughs> it, it it probably it probably is. Um, but, but this is you see this is why I'm grateful to you and Ole because there's not many. There's, as you know, down the rabbit hole, there are people with all manner of specialities. Some people talk about flat earth. Some people talk about, I don't know, moon landings, you know, Bart Zibrell dot, dot com. <laughs> but, um, but there are very few who are really looking into, into false flags. It's quite a, it's, it's, it, it's quite a, a niche area. And it is definitely one of those areas where people even awake people cannot quite believe that this is actually happening. They cannot believe, for example, that the CIA has whole villages or even towns full of crisis actors mm -hmm. ready to be deployed for any, on any, yeah. any given operation. It just boggles the mind. Yeah, I think people I think that word maybe isn't the right word because um, it's my opinion that when they use people, they're not actual actors. You know, you can't find them listed on a on on an actor's website or something like that. You know, I I do Shakespeare and I also do a bit of crisis work. You know, they're not they're just normal members of the public, who uh, who have agreed to pretend to lie down and play play injured uh, with with a minimal amount of coaching, because that's all that's required. Then they're, they're not actual actors. They're uh, they're members of the public who, from for for either money or other other methods of motivating people, have agreed to just take part and just be a member of the public in that situation. Uh, that's my opinion well, on it, anyway. Yeah, you, but you say that that's all they've got to do. They've got just got to kind of act sort of semi-realistically for it. But of course, beyond that, they then have to retreat from the public eye. They've they've got to disappear. Basically, they've got to. 
you, I mean, you, you analysed this on your, your yeah, well, documentary. Ones, well, well, you're talking about the ones that that may have that they said are deceased. Yeah. Um, yes. Obviously, the, 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 that's a whole. They're not crisis actors. That's a whole different, I would say, project in in finding someone who. I mean, the security services do this all the time. They give people new identities. So, for example, Maxine Carr, you know, the, the, she got let out of prison, the, 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 the girlfriend of um, the guy who allegedly did the Sawn murders. They give her a new identity. Now, they, I think they do this a lot more than people realize. And, and they do it for letting people out of prison. So, so, for example, you might have a paedophile who's been in prison. They can't put him anywhere. They can't name him in public, otherwise he's going to get killed or whatever so they'll put him in another country or another place that changes the identity maybe even plastic surgery so they, they they're already very well versed in how to remove someone from where they are put them somewhere else so no one realizes who they who they used to be that's something that they so that's a different that's not they're not crisis actors that's some that's something that's planned in advance i think uh yes well, okay, so so there were how many died? Was it was it twenty two by any chance? Yeah, twenty two. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So of course. those two. <laughs> funny that. And 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 they were each killed by twenty two bits of shrapnel. Well, no, one of them less. had twenty two bits of shrapnel in his body. Yeah. But we haven't seen them all. Yeah. The the one I remember because the one that I was encouraged to remember by our lying media was little Safi, whatever. Yeah. Her, uh, and she was the youngest victim, we were told. So, yeah. presumably, she is now living what? No, no. No, James, no. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, that's, I suspect, that in, in I itself. suspect Safi Roussos died earlier. That's my opinion, uh, right? Interesting. Uh, her, mother's, her mother's hand injuries are consistent with injuries obtained from a car crash. There you go. That's my opinion, that a mother's, a mother's hand injuries are consistent with a car crash. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I could um, make a few points to ask you a few things, James, if that's all right. Oh, I'd love it. Love you to, yeah. Yeah, okay. Because um, uh, you might find this funny, actually. Um, you were writing for The Telegraph, wasn't it? Yes. Was it the yeah, The Telegraph. And, you know, people had sent me a few of your articles saying, and this is probably back in 2010, 2011, somewhere around that time, saying, you know, this guy's, you know, he's, he's talking about certain things that, that, you know, that I would cover, and he's, 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 he seems to be trying to get the mainstream in, into more, you know, alternative thinking. Uh, and, and I would look at them and I think, no, no, that, he's... He's just appeasing. He's just appeasing people, and he, he's limited hangout. This guy, this guy, and, and then oh, yeah. what happened was, you uh, you got interviewed by Alex G on um, uh, on the edge. Remember that? You did an interview, right? You, you know, on. Edge Media, Edge Media Television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so you did an interview on there. Remember? But no? I can't remember what I was talking about. <laughs> Um, well, I think it was just conspiracy theories in general. Right. Uh, um, and, and I remember emailing, Alex G was the presenter, and I, I, I emailed him, I, had a, I sent him a snotty email, saying, why have you got that mainstream journalist on your show? <laughs> He's just I come there it. to have a nose and, uh, and, 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 to, and to look down on you, you know. So, so there you go. <laughs> but obviously it's, I, can it's, see, it's, I can see the change, I can see the change, you know. 
which which you, you often think is, about. I think, I think that I was waking up unbeknownst to myself. Mm-hmm. So there was a, so for example, I used to have this column on the Spectator um, where I could talk about anything I liked, and then and this went on for a long time and it was really popular and then i noticed something changed and they started being much more controlling about what you know much more critical about my chosen topics and i was thinking mm-hmm. but 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 i'm me i'm just you know james doing my james thing mm-hmm. um and they got more and more censorious and difficult until eventually they took my column away from me mm-hmm. and at the time i was I was mystified. I was thinking, look, I'm really popular, and and like, what's wrong with me? Well, you, you're 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 doing yourself a disservice here. I'm I'm one of your best writers, which which I was. I mean, I'm 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 bloody good at what I do. Um, and looking back with three years hindsight, I now realise that I was starting to go in the direction that that they really could not cope with. And I didn't realize that I was going in that direction yet. But here I am, like, talking to you. But I mm. can see, you see, this is a problem, isn't it? That what, I don't know what you, what you want to call the people who believe the stuff we believe, you know, the awake community or whatever. But we're, number one, we are completely filled with infiltrators, limited hangout, controlled opposition, gatekeepers and stuff. And... Half of us don't want to believe this. They want to believe we're all all happy family. And the other half are so uber suspicious that they look at people like me and go, well, he's an asset. There's no way that he can't be an asset because look at who he was friends with at Oxford and stuff. I I mean, I I think this paranoia needs to be our natural state because we are so happy. So I don't blame you for suspecting me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's... You can never know with anybody, really. Um, and Dr. Judy Wood, she, she says, well, it doesn't matter whether they're an agent or an operative or not. What matters is how they behave and what they're doing. Because you can have someone who's not an operative who's just as damaging by their behavior. Um, so, obviously, if someone is um, spying on you, that's not good. Uh, but, yeah, it's... Um, I uh, I had a go at Alex G. I said, y- 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 you know, w- w- <laughs> I tried to actually try to find the email the other day, but I, did, I don't have it. It would have been quite funny to read that out. Um, but I, I was going to talk about that, the media. That's hit really piece. funny. Well, that would. Sorry, go on. You sorry? I was going to. I mean, have no, you ever I, been I, asked? I was thinking. That... Sorry, James. Go on. I've lost you. Have I ever been asked? Yeah, have you ever been asked to sort of uh, take part in media hit pieces? You know, when you or, or take a particular biased view on a certain issue, or, or attack a particular person in a certain way, or were you le- were you left more to your own devices Do you know and what? just this gradually? Is... Go on. This is the really interesting thing. I never was. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, it's possible that, that my memory is deceiving me, but I don't ever 
in my time, I mean, I was a journalist for what, like 30 years, getting on for 25 years, mm. certainly. I don't ever recall being asked to do a piece that went against my ethics or where I was asked to say something I didn't believe in. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember, I remember, the, I remember the, the mail once, because I used to do, I used to do um, uh, features for the mail because they, they, they pay well, but they tended to be on things like climate change and, and stuff. But, but occasionally I do kind of pieces on sort of more general social issues. So uh, film and TV, for example. and. I remember once I was asked to do a hit job on, or, you know, a a sort of anti-piece on Jeremy Clarkson. And at that time, I was thinking, well, I'm in the market for a piece on why Jeremy's great and why he he tells it like it is, but it's going to be a real... Okay, even though you're going to pay me a thousand quid for this piece and it's going to take me... A morning's morning's work, so that's quite quite reasonable. You know, I mean, it, it, the the mainstream pays quite well if you if if you're a kind of a name writer. Um, I thought to myself, the problem about earning that thousand quid is that it's going to be really hard writing stuff that I don't really believe in. So I'm going to have to, you know, it's not worth the effort. And I think maybe I got a reputation for being somebody who. It's it's a bit like your your Tomlinson guy, that that he doesn't want to do stuff that goes against his. I don't know about principles. Whether is that the right word for using somebody yeah. who, who used to work for MI five? But I I couldn't be asked basically, Richard. Yeah. I just I just thought like no, right? And they're the ones who don't get promoted. maybe that's 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 maybe that that's why I never got to the next level. I I, okay, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't play the game. Well, I've had a few hit pieces written about me fairly recently, as you might know. And uh, I, I look back at one of my older lectures, and I actually talked about hit pieces in, in my lecture. This was back in 2012. And I, what I thought I would do is I actually um, I wrote a hit piece. I thought, let's choose the nicest person in the country and see if we can do a hit piece on them, just to show them, just to show people how easy it is to do a hit piece on somebody that, somebody that everybody yeah. likes. So I chose Bobby Charlton. Right, so I wrote the, the Bobby Charlton hit piece. All right, so I can, I can read it out if you like. Uh, can I read it? <laughs> yeah, go on then. Uh, I didn't realize that I would be reading out hit pieces on myself 10 years later or 12 years later. Uh, so this is, this is what I wrote. Uh, so um, the Bobby Charlton hit piece. Uh, Aging ex-soccer player Bobby Charlton, 74, born in a northeast pit village to a family of peasant coal miners, is well known for his incomprehensible Geordie accent. Having left his favourite pastime as a footballer at the age of 35, he hasn't done a day's work in his life, although some would question whether football can be considered work in the first place. He tried football in 1973 with part-timers Preston North End, who were soon relegated. So poor was his record there, the following season he made himself player-manager, thinking he could sort out their problems on the pitch by uh, reinstating his now ageing legs. The following season he left, realising he couldn't manage a child's Christmas party, never mind a football team. Totally unemployable and desperate, but wanting to continue to exploit football for money, he went begging back to the hugely rich Manchester United, where they took pity on him and made him a director. 
A director of what, though, is not known, uh, with him having so little to offer the club, although he seems to do well as a director of nothing with his five-bedroom detached house and top-of-the-range uh, 30 grand jag. Last year, Charlton was voted the fourth greatest Manchester United player of all time, but that's hardly an achievement when you consider the top three were adulterer Ryan Giggs, alcoholic George Best, and karate kick madman Eric Cantona. Charlton has distanced himself from his wayward blood sport brother Jack, who enjoys killing wild animals on a regular basis and was known for hacking players and occasionally breaking their legs. So vain is Bobby Charlton that when he began to lose his hair in the early 1960s, he refused to go bald gracefully, sporting a style of stranded, isolated hairs which would often flop around when he was running before he would tug them back over his head. This style is still known as the Bobby Charlton comb-over and is undoubtedly Charlton's only lasting contribution to society. So that shows that you can, that you can write negatively about anyone, really. That's... There is look. There is definitely a thing in in journalism that it's partly that you feel that if you're too nice about some somebody, mm -hmm. you're not doing your job. Yeah. yeah. So it's it, 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 yeah. it's like you 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 don't want to be seen to be too credulous, uh, too much of a suck up. So there is maybe this instinct that that leads you the other way and it's not i mean i remember once i did a i did a book review of a novel by alan titchmarsh and i mean it wasn't a very good book i mean mm -hmm. you know i mean or rather put it this way it wasn't the kind of book that i i like but then you see the thing is i like russian classic russian literature you know i mean i i i studied english literature at university so of course if you give alan titchmarsh's sort of romantic slush novel to a, a an oxford english literature graduate of course you're going to get an unfavorable review and i didn't it wasn't like i, I wanted to get titchmarsh it's just that I was responding to the book with irritation because I just wasted however many hours of my life reading this this slush. So you you see how it works. I do, I have nothing against Alan Titchmarsh, and since I've met him, and he was a lovely, lovely man. He is a lovely man. I'm sure um, he is. And I I really regret having done it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I actually. But it's had what you do. I had a go at Alan Titchmarsh in one of my <laughs> lectures, where what it was, they were building a garden. For a dead bloke, right? So this guy had died, right? And they said to this family, well, what, you know, what would you like um, to remember him by? Let's build a beautiful garden. So it had a hot tub in it. It had a, like a little house in it. And it had uh, louvered blinds and a 100-year-old olive tree, right? So this, this garden cost, you know, sort of 20 grand to build. And my argument was... They're trying to encourage people to spend, to spend as much money on funerals as they do on weddings. So this was a psyop, in my opinion, to um, get, get people into debt, basically, because people who watch that program would feel really guilty that they didn't do that, that for their dead father. Oh, no, we need to... Dad's died, we need to build a garden like Alan Titchmarsh did and spend 20 or 30,000 pounds on his funeral. So, it's, so to me, it was feeding materialism, this program with Titchmarsh, even though he probably didn't, even, he probably didn't realize that that is a, a, a possible motive for that program. 
and and I remember underneath underneath there was an article in the newspaper, and underneath the article about this building of this dead person's garden was an advert for loans. So I'm saying that there's another agenda to that program, but I, yeah, I, I'm sure he's a nice guy, and I'm sure he's he he doesn't realise he's he's encouraging a totally unnecessary levels well, of materialism. It's it's very similar to what you said about the people involved in the charade, that that everything is is so compartmentalised yeah. that everyone thinks that that you know what they're doing is is makes sense and is reasonably okay if they saw the bigger picture i think they'd be horrified mm -hmm. but um it kind of answers answer the question i was going to ask you which is which is the journalists who who are who are um endorsing these lies by covering them mm. um in the news uncritically in the newspapers but i i, I think that a lot of them just just don't simply don't know. I never knew. I never knew the the media was a lie machine when I was when I was involved in it. I really didn't. I mean, maybe I was incredibly naive, but I think I think a lot, there are a lot lot of a lot of people out in most most people in the media don't know um, how corrupt and mendacious the media actually is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think in if you look at mainstream TV, there's certain key people who know and they know what they're doing is quote-unquote evil and and is deceptive and is manipulative and sometimes they're the most cosy presenters um people like um oh what's her name the scottish one um uh i'm not really i'm not really good at retaining names and information i, I i've got a quite a small hard drive in my brain i've got quite a good processor but a small hard drive Unlike Alex Thompson, who's got a massive hard drive, um, <laughs> he amazes me. Alex Thompson, with his with his the amount of knowledge that he has and and, and how he uses his knowledge. But um, I forget the woman's name. Ah, oh, let me think now. Are you? Is this going to be edited? Uh, I'm not used to doing live stuff. Um, that's her name. That's her name. Yeah, yeah, or someone like. Or, you know, there's an army of them. And a lot of them, on the outside, they look cuddly and completely unoffensive, but they, they, they're just operatives, in my opinion. They're just serving the, serving the agenda, and they know it. That's my opinion. Um, but I think some of them, not yes. so much. But I think the key, the key front players on, on, on these daytime television and people who present political programs and that kind of thing, they're all in, they all know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. They know they're not. They know they're not trying to present truth. Uh, they realise that that's that's the last thing that they're seeking. Really, they're seeking to satisfy the agenda of of the organisation that they're that they're working for. And and they're very well paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I was going to do I mean, is just because there's a hit piece or well, a number of hit pieces being written on me. I was just going to highlight a few things in this in this hit piece. Is that okay for me to do that, James? Yes, do. I'm 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 very yeah. interested in how they've tried to how yeah, they've so tried to was, destroy you. This was quite a long piece. It was over two thousand words. It's a mail online, and um, so it, it it starts with the with the words "Britain's cruelest troll." So that's that's me, Britain's cruelest troll. But the the 
they put it in single quotes. You know what that's for, don't you? In single quotes, it's like, well, we didn't Tell say me. that. We, we didn't say that. That's, in other words, it's a quote from somewhere else. So Britain's cruelest troll who has spread conspiracy theories about Maddie McCann 9-11 and the murder of MP Joe Cox could be made to pay for his lies. Yeah, so because they put it in single quotes, that means that it's not their, it's not their statement. Yeah? If they hadn't put those quotes in, then they would be calling me Britain's cruelest troll, which is defamatory. But because they put it in single quotes, they, oh, we got it from another publication, we put it in quotes. Um, and it says here that he has written a book. I'll just, I'm not going to read it all. I'll just read a few bits and pieces. He has written a book, made a film, given talks with over 16 million views and has 80,000 YouTube subscribers. Now, I was very careful with YouTube. I didn't put any Manchester material. There was no Manchester material on YouTube because I knew that uh, certain subjects, if I was to upload it, I would have a, a chance of my channel being removed. Um, but uh, what happened was that the BBC contacted YouTube and told them about my book and film, etc. And then YouTube just removed the whole channel, even though there was nothing on, there was nothing on my um, YouTube channel about Manchester. What I, what I was doing is using YouTube as a host to host some of the less controversial videos and using a different hosts or different hosts for the more controversial ones. But the website, um, you know, it, it just shows the window then, so it can get it can get the video from any stream. So, I, uh, but. You know, I had a lot of subscribers and that would generate a lot of views. So it, it is quite annoying that they did that. They had no right to do it because I didn't break any community guidelines. I'd only, I'd only um, uploaded two videos in the last two previous years to YouTube. I was using another host. Uh, one of them was about smart money and the other one was about British history. So, um, yeah, that's just, just a comment on, on people having their YouTube channels removed because obviously I'm not the only one. Um, and it says, step forward, Richard D. Hall, um, a man whose attempts uh, to make a name and money uh, out of Miss Bridget's predicament uh, and that of others caught up in the bomb are almost impossible to comprehend. So it's accusing me of making money out of journalism, which, um, you know, the, the person who's written this article will have been paid to write it and journalists expect to get paid. Uh, and I remember um, back in sort of yeah it would have been 2011 uh, when i was making tv programs for edge media television um they weren't paying anyone everyone was working voluntarily producing these tv programs and but there was always a promise this they, they would say well once our viewing figures get up the advertising revenue you will be able to get paid and it never came you know they, they didn't make any money and it, it, at one point i remember sitting down and thinking to myself they're never going to pay me i'm never going to get paid for doing this so i thought right i i need i need to generate income stream out of this if I want to do it professionally and do it absolutely full-time. So I identified the two areas. One was uh, to do public speaking tours and the other was to do to to get a, a decent online shop together to sell merchandise which will link to my program. So when I, whenever I get a guest on the program I do always look to see if they've written any uh, books or or got anything that they can and I, and I will buy a box of books off them I'll say right I'll buy a box of books off you that goes on the site and then it augments the show then so there's a selection of products uh, which which link to the different shows so all of the material is free there's over 300 videos on there everything's completely free um, but if the person wants to purchase a product they can 
and obviously if, if you're going to travel all around the country uh, giving lectures people expect to come and pay you because uh, you've got the expense of getting there and all the rest of it so that was another revenue stream that I, that I took on board and and I managed to make a full-time living from those revenue streams um, to then provide all of the videos for free because I've never charged for a video when I make a new film what I would normally do is I would put the film out on DVD uh, sell it as a, a as a, a pre-sale so in other words people can buy it before it's produced for maybe two months and then they they get the video delivered and then it's for sale for six weeks after that and then after six weeks after it's been released it then goes online for free so you know that's not an unreasonable uh, thing and that's not it's not attempting to make lots of money it's it's attempting to um, make a living so you don't have to go and work in another job so you can do it professionally and uh you know you've got articles like this saying that i'm attempting to make money out of other people's misery and all the rest of it so oh, when mariana spring can, said that can, I, 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 I i i made my book free as a free download so you can get the manchester book free now because i've been accused of making money sorry james um can, can i interrupt you there yes yes richard um do you you really, really, really don't even need to entertain for, for one fraction of a second the idea that what you're doing is remotely wrong. And I, and I personally, and I think a lot of people watching this will feel the same, think you should be earning 10 times as much for, for what you do. I think I was listening to a few years ago, um, one of, sorry, listening to, to one, of, one of Bill Cooper's old documentary uh, old, old you know chats and he was he, he was asking the question why are, are newscasters like walter cronkite paid so much money what you know how could it possibly be that these people who just read from a script into a camera or whatever why are they why are they earning you know well, i don't know how much he was paid probably millions of dollars even even then and he said it's very simple it, it's because they are part of the the control mechanism that's the only reason that that they're they're, yeah. they're polluting people's brains with this with this false narrative what you're doing is the very opposite of, of this you're actually cleaning out people's systems you know you're like a kind of antivirus software so so really you know you should be worth whatever um, McAfee was worth before he he disappeared yeah i mean you know i'm not in this game to make money if i wanted to make more money i could go back and become a professional engineer again and make three times or four times what what i make doing this so that's never been the motive the motive the, the frustration of not being able to do it full time the frustration of then having to go and do other work do web design work or whatever work i was doing at the time that was so frustrating to have to go and do other work in order to earn money to be able to do this work so, um, yeah. yeah, I've managed to be able to make a living and no more than that. Uh, uh, yeah. The way that they write these articles, it's, just, um, it's, it's pathetic, really. But read the, the next line. The, these articles. Oh, yes, come on. It's not the next line, but it's, I'm just picking out bits of this hit piece. It says the 55, sorry, the 55 year old son of a chicken farmer. I'll come on to that. Um, Hall does not believe the Manchester bombing took place. 
He believes it is a deep state plot and that many who claimed to have been injured were simply crisis actors playing a scripted role. Well, I'm, I never use the, the term deep state. That's not one of my terms. And my, my, my father um, graduated from Durham University in mining engineering. He did a degree in mining engineering and became a pit under manager. So he's in charge of the whole coal mine, you know. And then he got a job in engineering, uh, managing a, a factory producing car clutches so he's a professional engineer the 55 year old son of a chicken farmer it's you, you can see why they why they're using that language it's just a sort of well this 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 guy's just just some hillbilly who's been brought up on a farm uh it, it's quite amusing really um <laughs> so yeah. yeah it's how they roll yeah Did and uh, he has written a book made a film and given talks on the subject as recently as mid-October, he had more than 16 million views, and blah, blah, blah. Sorry about that. I'll have to, I'll right. have to, I'll have to nip off again in about 20 minutes, because I've, I've got to turn it over. But, right. um, and so, is, is, um, that a, is that a code word? Is that, is that <laughs> my five code word? I've got to go and put a chicken in the oven. Does it mean something else? <laughs> yeah, I've got to put I've, no. I've got to put twenty-two chickens in the oven, Richard. <laughs> yes, yes. Then it will be a cold word. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Mm. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Was, you, you, yeah. You, you, did, yeah. Okay, did, was this, read, was read this, this Mariana Spring, by the way? Not that wrote this one. This is written by um, some male online journalist. Let, let me just read this because you've got to bear in mind that they're criticising me for trying for knocking on someone's door and trying to just ask information now this they they, they said i was um approaching victims okay there was one victim yeah. uh for a specific reason that i went to try and see but th th this one it was the mother of the victim i was trying to talk to who didn't even answer the door so all i've done is gone and knock on a door that wasn't answered right so these journalists these male online journalists they've gone to my dead parents street to try and dig up dirt on me from from my dead parents' neighbours. Right now, I wouldn't stop them doing that. They can knock on anyone's door they want to. They can ask anyone any question about me. I wouldn't stop it. And I'm free to do the same. But this is what they said. Um, Raised in a village in County Durham, he was one of three children born to a poultry farmer uh, and his wife. So, get, you know, get the, get the farmer in as what well, you know, just to try and create this image in the person's head. The whole family is very well thought of here, a former neighbour of his now deceased parents told Mail last week. Ellis and Maureen ran their farm for many years and were good, honest, hard-working people. Nothing in his upbringing could have led Richard to the place where he is now. <laughs> Indeed, Hall's early years were full of promise. Having graduated in 1990 with a degree in electrical engineering from Newcastle University, he worked as a design engineer, reportedly including stints with Rolls-Royce. Uh, more recently, he has worked as a web designer. Now, I, I got a, a scholarship and a sponsorship with a a good company called NEI, NEI Indus, Northern Engineering Industries, and that that company was bought by Rolls Royce in 1989, and I worked there until 2000. So I worked for Rolls Royce for 11 years continuously. I didn't have stints with Rolls Royce, so it's just little subtle things like that that they. And and then the next sentence is 
but at the same time he developed a fascination with ufos so they get they, they get the ufo tin hat uh, thing in there uh setting up a website dedicated to sightings and alien abductions so um in doing so he appears to yeah. have become convinced that that the government and the media have covered up the truth about extraterrestrial encounters and then they, they go on about the question that I asked David Cameron in 2009, which is quite an interesting clip where I challenged David Cameron on, on UFOs. So they, they mentioned that as well. So, yeah, it's, um, it's laughable. Oh, give me one second. What, what was so the, the, uh, the point being that David Cameron- they, they went to my dead parents' street to dig up dirt on me to write an article about me going to someone's house to try and speak to someone. So they're doing exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Although, to be fair, it's better than being assassinated. I mean, basically, for people like you and me, they've got two options, haven't they? Mm -hmm. Either you off them, uh, which I suppose they still could do, or you discredit them. And, And it seems to me that the current fashion is for discrediting rather than for assassinating. Well, certainly, certainly it it doesn't seem to have worked with me because if if you go on to the BBC's own YouTube channel where there's there's a six o'clock news item all about me and what I've done, and if you go and read the comments under there, there are about two and a half thousand comments, and ninety five percent of them are all supporting me, and that's on the BBC's own YouTube channel, and on Twitter as well. Mariana Spring has been she she doesn't even go on Twitter now. She can't go on Twitter because she she just gets attacked straight away. So. Uh, it hasn't worked, in my opinion. It, it might work for the did, person who doesn't trust mail online, but did did Mariana Spring try to? What, what, she she did something on you, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. Well, she well initially she sent about eleven emails trying to agree, trying to get me to agree to go on Panorama. And I made it clear that I didn't want to go on Panorama. And in my emails, I said, "Please don't contact me again." And then after me telling her not to contact me again, uh, she turned up at my market stall. So she travelled all the way to Wales. Uh, now, I wouldn't stop anyone doing that. Uh, and then she shoved a microphone in front of my face, asking me questions. But the point is, I'd specifically told her not, uh, that I did not want to speak to her again. And uh, so really, if someone said that to me, I, I, I wouldn't try and approach them again. Um so again, she's doing exactly the same thing that she's trying to accuse me of, which is just uh, approaching someone to try and find information. You were very wise not to engage. Uh, um, I mean, they, obviously, you know, they'd have stitched you up like a kipper um, because yeah. that's what yeah. they do. I mean, that's what, yeah. that's what the, the BBC does. I mean, I've, I've, I had an experience of that a few years ago. And, and also I had an accompanying hit piece on me in the guardian not 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 the mail mm-hmm. and i i i felt the same exasperation uh if that's the right word as you did reading these uh, seeing how words can be just on the right side of, of of not being libelous um but saying things which are just simply not true I mean, and, and and you feel awful, but you 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 feel like you've been, well, you've you've been abused. But that, of course, is the point. You, you're meant to feel diminished. You're meant to feel dispirited. That they're designed to hurt. 
Yeah, well, it's in, in a way, it's a badge of honour if someone writes a hit piece on you, isn't it? What? Yeah, it doesn't feel that way at the time, but yeah, I, I, I agree with, 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 with hindsight. I mean, they're very unimaginative in, in, the, in, in as much as they use the same techniques again and again and again. Yeah, I mean, you said you, you feel bad about it when you read it. Uh, you, you mustn't, you, uh, the way I look at things is you mustn't think that way. It, like, if you're playing chess and someone makes a move that you don't like, you know, you're not going to start crying about it, right? You're, gonna, you're going to um, try and come up with a better move yourself. So, and if you start getting emotional, you, you're not, you're not, your strategy is going to be affected. And so I just look at this as a, 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 as a chess move. Uh, okay, they've done a hit piece, right? Uh, what's my next move? Uh, you know, the, the emotions must be detached uh, when you're in this uh, information war. So this is what it is. It's an information war. And becoming upset over things is, uh, you, you know, you've, you've just got to brush it off uh, and, 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 yeah. and, and, and work on your next move. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, it's very odd to to think how when when was the, and when just was the interject, you know it, as an engineer because i've been in situations yeah. as an engineer where you know it's pissing down with rain and you've got some circuit that's not working and you've you, you've been sent to, you've been sent to fix it or you've been sent to analyze it and you you just you you, you know it's problems at home or whatever you 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 have to keep a clear head you can't you you, you it's that system of thinking when you're an engineer that, that, that all emotion is just excluded while you're doing that job you know you can't let emotion come into it it has to be pure logic and and facts and knowledge and apply that and then make the decision based on that not based on you know your emotions yeah Sorry, James. no you're, you're absolutely right and, and and i think i think actually it's one of the as, as a, you know, just as sort of somebody who, who came, who, who saw you first when I wasn't so far down the rabbit hole, anyone who is exposed to your research cannot but um, admire um, or, or at least respect how rigorous you are. I mean, I was going to say you're almost you're almost normie friendly, except you're not because what you're saying is is it it, it does not compute for for those of a normie persuasion. It, it, it's not that the facts that you present are not are not clear cut and well researched and 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 neutrally stated. You 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 don't you you're, you're very careful to describe things in the sort of the most matter of fact and yet rigorous way. You don't sensationalize, and mm -hmm. this is all. This is all great, but I've got I've got this phrase that you you cannot truth bomb normies into awakeness. No, no matter how no. compelling your evidence is, they'll always they'll always develop a cope a coping yeah. mechanism in their their head, which enables them to explain why what you're saying yeah it, it's yeah. plausible, but it but it's not it can't be true. Yeah, yeah, and. Not everyone's like that. I think a good percentage of the population is does have an open mind. It's just that it's hard to reach them, and and, and this is what they're worried what? about. They're they're worried about reach, 
uh, 80,000 YouTube subscribers, oh, right, right, we'll take his channel down. So that's highly concerning for them because if, let's just say that you gave me the BBC channel for 24 hours to broadcast my stuff, could you imagine the, the change in society that would, that would ensue? And they're worried that the, the people like myself and others are getting higher and higher reach online. And, and this is why all of this new legislation is coming in with the online harms and what have you, so that they can regain control over the main uh, lines of communication um, to the mass populace. Uh, yeah. The, the, there was talk in that um, hit piece, I think, of, of, of sort of legal action against you, but it's not going to really come off, is it? Because they'd have to, they'd have to rig the courts against you in, in order for them well, to have a case against you yeah there, there, ha there is legal action ongoing now so i've got a hearing at the high court on the 29th of january all right so right they've brought a, a harassment case against me and just to briefly summarize it um they're saying that my opinions amount to a harassment they're so far from the truth according to them, that they amount to a harassment. There's also a GDPR element to it as well. Um, now, in order to, in order to um, defend my case, I need to present all my evidence about the Manchester incident. And what, they, what they've done is they've applied for a summary judgment, which would mean that I wouldn't, if they win that summary judgment, it means that I won't be allowed to present any of my evidence, which shows that what I believe happened at Manchester uh, so that would be just banned from from the actual trial, and that's what they're trying to get now. Um, but we are, we are. Can, um, can they do that? Sorry, uh, can, uh, it's I in mean, a case where they're trying to limit the time of the trial because they say, well, that argument that the that the defence is putting forward has no likelihood of success in a court, and and is is we don't think he's got any chance that that evidence is going to make any difference. Therefore it should be excluded from the trial. And then a judge will, will, will make a decision as to whether then, whether that evidence uh, should be allowed in the trial or not. So, they, they, um, I mean, I, I probably have to let my barrister watch this interview to see what, what's okay to leave in or, or what's not. So they're, they're, they're trying to get the case run without me presenting all of the evidence that I want to present. And uh, obviously, yes. what they're going for, if I lose the case, it's an injunction, which would mean that certain things would probably have to come off the internet. I wouldn't be able to say certain things, possibly. And there's a lot of money involved as well. So it's £50,000 plus costs, which their costs are probably going to be quite high. So if I was to lose, it would be um, a lot of money and a, a curtailment of my freedom of expression. Uh, so... Um, yeah, and I'm fighting it. I've had a lot of donations, and uh, I feel well equipped to be able to defend it. Um, in, a, in a slightly different way from Alex Jones and Sandy Hook. I mean, I think it's it's obvious to anyone who's looked into Sandy Hook that 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 case was designed to shut down discussion of false flags by by the frightening the frightening yeah, I mean, um, figures I involved that that two closely at the Alan Jones case, but I have my doubts about how real that is. I mean, why would Jones concede that the thing wasn't a staged attack? 
why wouldn't he conduct his, his defence on that basis if that's what he thinks? That doesn't make sense. And the, 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 the amount of money that they're talking about makes no sense as well. I mean, it's 800 million. That just seems ridiculous. I don't... I have my well, doubts I think, about I whether think, that is a real, a real trial. Somebody actually all said to me... stage illusion. I don't think... Yeah. Some, somebody actually said to me that they thought that the whole Alex Jones thing was... It, it's not a real trial. It, 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 there's something phony about it in order to put the shits up everyone else or, or in order to set an example that these are the, this is the kind of money you're talking about if you start questioning state narratives so that when, when, a, when a, a court looks at, say, my case, they'll be more influenced by the Jones case. So they'll say, well, aha, there was a case in America where this guy said this event was staged and look what happened to him. He had to pay $800 million. So they're trying to set a precedent with a phony case in order to influence cases in the future such as my own. I'm not sure how genuinely... I'm not saying it isn't a genuine case, but um, certainly there are certain question marks in my head over it and over Alex Jones. I'm not saying he hasn't put out a lot of good information. He has. I think that analysis is is on the money. I mean, that's exactly what I... If you'd asked me about that case, that's that's the the explanation I would have given. I don't I don't think Alex Jones is he's an asset. I mean, he's not. Uh, he's he he's not he's not he's not you. Well, he's he's not real. I think you, it, go back and look at if you go back to two thousand, right when he was quite young, he was still in his mid twenties then, when he was just starting out really, and he was fear mongering about. Can you remember the Millennium Bug? Remember the yeah. Millennium book? So, so this was at the, change, at the changeover yeah. of the Millennium. People were worried that all sorts of computer systems were going to crash. And he did a program about that in 1999, and he was fear-mongering about it all. He was saying that there was going to be nuclear power plants were going to have problems, and it was, it, it, he was exaggerating it. And Bill Cooper did a, did a piece on Alex Jones, calling him out, calling him as a CIA asset. CIA asset. And if you listen to that program that Bill Cooper did on Alex Jones back in 99-2000 and make your own mind up um, because he's, he stayed around for a long time Alex Jones and um, I don't know whether he's compromised or not but uh, I don't even buy his voice I think he puts that on I think he, it, it discredits him that silly voice that he puts on I, I don't think that's his real voice well, by design it just think... sounds like an idiot well, when he talks th- well, of course, there is the the Alex Jones's Bill Hicks rabbit hole, um, which no, I don't. I'm I don't, <laughs> I don't buy any to. of that. No, no, well, you know, two different uh, people. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's but 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 you're right. I, I I don't think he's everything about that that case stinks, and I think also. Um, his recent rehabilitation by Twitter and via an interview with Tucker Carlson. And I've got a lot, a lot of time for Tucker Carlson, but I think he's an asset too in a different yeah. way. And you look yeah, at... Yeah, there are some good things uh, I've heard Jones him say, but... obviously a very... Yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah. Go Alex on, Jones is obviously a very intelligent man. I've, I've, I've heard him interviewed on germ warfare and he's thoughtful and he's informed. He's not, he's not stupid. 
But it's very interesting listening to what information he's giving out and, and, and what the slant is. And the slant on his Tucker Carlson interview is China is the big threat. And I've noticed this with quite a few of these more prominent people supposedly on our side in in America, particularly. Um, You'll hear them pointing the finger at at China. In other words, look look away from what's going on with our own, you know, domestic domestically generated problems i mean I, I i do think that that sort of that power nexus between the uk the us and israel is probably the most dangerous i don't feel threatened by china in the, in nearly the same same way yeah but the the thing the, the thing is they're all using the same tools to bring about technocracy so they're all you they're all they all sides yeah. want cbdc all sides um agree on climate change all sides are, are manufacturing things with false terrorism all sides uh want uh, uh, global identity so they they're all going in the same direction no matter which um side you're on so yeah. it doesn't matter that you've got the BRICS, which is sort of uh, the uh you know the non-western new banking system that's been set up people say oh that's it's going against the the axis that you just described, but they're they're going in the same direction eventually. Uh, so yeah. It, um, I just make a point about yeah, I um, agree. Investigations, uh, James, if that's okay, and cover ups. Yeah, yeah. So, um, there's a a genre that they call true crime and a lot of people are interested in true crime they're interested in how crimes are organized and how criminals are caught and the gory details of uh, various criminals and what have you it's a very popular area but what a lot of people in true crime don't realize is that on some occasions the police are not trying to solve a crime they are prevented from provide from solving a crime from above so you get these unsolved crimes which are not unsolved crimes. And you, your true crime people will believe that they're just too hard to solve and the police haven't managed to solve them because the perpetrators were too clever or they were, there isn't enough evidence or what have you. But what, what happens in a cover-up? And a few of my film, films uh, um, can be characterised as this. So the Madeline cover-up, the Jill Dando cover-up, uh, the Joe Cox thing, and, and also the, I did a film about the Didcot murders, all those cases, the police were not trying to solve those cases, right? What happened there? There's a high-level cover-up above the level of the police. So when you when you have a situation like that, that no one has actually tried to solve the case, and you go into it, right, sometimes it's very easy to solve because no one's actually tried to solve it. And there's evidence hanging around there, which if, if, if you care to go and get it, you can solve the case yourself. So with the Madeleine case, the Portuguese police released their, their files five years after the incident, and all the answers were in there. And uh, with the Dando case, I, I just started looking through the, um, the Crime Watch videos and looked at the last video that she made, because I was convinced that it was most likely that her, her death was to do with uh, her role on Crime Watch and something that she may have covered, and the answer just came straight out. Straight out. <coughs> uh, so... And- 
And, and this um, is what this is what the true crime people need to, need to realise that not all crimes are in a category where they are even allowed to be addressed or solved. And you know, I've looked at some of these, and, and they they can be quite easy to solve because no one has been allowed to even look at the evidence. And if if you go on my website, just down the left hand panel there, there's a, there's a section I've created called True Crimes, uh, True Crime, because I get a lot of emails from people who say, Richard, investigate this case. It's dodgy because of this. I think the government are involved, and they'll write me an email. I've kept all those emails, and I've compiled them all into this database. So you click on True Crime, you'll, you'll see hundreds of cases spanning the last 30 or 40 years of all cases that the public think there's been some sort of corruption, either police corruption at a police level or at a higher government level where the case is, has been... <coughs> you know, the wrong conclusion has been reached in the case. And there's hundreds of them. There's hundreds of, of, of dodgy cases that <coughs> on the crime writer's shelves would be just described as an unsolved case. But they're not unsolved because no one's actually tried to solve them yet. They are un unaddressed cases or <coughs> cover-ups. So they, they're not unsolved. They, okay. No one's tried to solve them. They've they've been and run in a, they've so, been run up the wrong avenue of evidence, or, or they've been they've been run into a ditch. And and there's a lot more okay. so cases than people realise. Uh, and the purpose of this is what is it, is it to uh, keep the public in a state of fear that there are these kind of well, all these murderers out there that are that are on the loose, or well, is it because that. <laughs> Yeah, well, you'd have to look at each case individually. There are different reasons why yeah. a, a crime might not be allowed to be solved. So, in my opinion, is in the Gildando case, it was because she found out some evidence, or was party to some evidence, uh, connected to the London nail bombings, the David Copeland nail bombings. So I think she knew the identity of the bomber before he planted a second and third bomb, and and they were actually allowing him to plant those bombs, right? So... With that one, it's that would be the reason. But with other cases, um, it's it's possibly just at a level of police corruption. So, for example, there's another case in those files. I can't remember the girl's name, where she, her crime was unsolved. She was found murdered, but she'd been dating a police, a high-ranking police officer, uh, and his name had been kept out of the story. So that was that's probably a, a, a police corruption case. Um, where the police themselves internally will run an investigation, or for example, the, there was a guy in Wales who was who was alleged to uh, have killed uh, two children and a woman in a house fire. Uh, Di Morris, his name is, and he he died in prison not long ago, right? But he was in prison since I think two thousand or two thousand and one, and everyone says he's innocent, and all the evidence suggests that he's innocent, but. It was. It, they alleged that it was a police officer who actually did that murder, right? So that's that's a low-level corruption case where guys ended up in prison for for over twenty years, and he had no involvement in it. So there's different reasons. Uh, so the, the, the I mean, the, the Madeline reason for that is very dark, and uh, I'd probably rather not go into it. But there there are reasons why crimes aren't actually addressed or or. They don't try. They're not trying to solve them. They're trying to do something else with them. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, sometimes I can, you know, I can, I can, yeah. sometimes it's a psyop. I mean, I I believe, I suspect uh, the Nicola Bully case. It, 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 I mean, I don't know what happened there, but it it looks like a psyop to me. It looks like it's been done to try and trap online investigators or, 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 or armchair investigators into making the wrong conclusions so that they can then be discredited. Uh, so, yeah. Yes. The, I, I mean, our, our newspapers do love uh, a, a sort of a murder, don't they? The, 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 the sort of... Uh, a female, a female murder victim, ideally, who becomes this sort of the name, the name du jour, and 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 for weeks their name dominates the newspapers. Yeah. Um, so well, maybe we can come and, on to and Joe it, Cox and it keeps, now. Keeps the public in the right state of fear. Perhaps we can mention Joe Cox then, because she was a female who was allegedly mur- murdered. Who uh, I don't think the truth has uh, been told about. Um, if we can just go to the motive of that, because a lot of people, when that happened, um, uh, it looked like they were trying to use it to sway the Brexit vote in favour of Remain. And a lot of people said, well, yeah, you've just got this supposed far-right extremist who's, who's killed this pretty Labour polit- female politician, and she was one of the most pro-EU politicians. So they've done that just to garner sympathy and sway the vote. So the, so the whole operation was done for that purpose. That, that's, that's what you heard a lot of. Um, now, I think, yes. that, that I think the case was used by the pro-Remain pro media for that purpose to try and get their vote count up because it happened just before Brexit. Right? And, it, and I think it did sway the Brexit vote a little bit, but not enough for them. Um, but... I don't think that was the original reason why she was removed. So I don't believe she was murdered. I believe she was removed. So if I can just go through some of that, James, um, which might take a few minutes to explain. Um, it is in my film, um, but it, it's, you see, you need to understand what Brexit was about. It was about two things broadly. The first was immigration, right, which obviously... That's the sort of the man on the streets issue to get to get riled up about, but it was more importantly for for wealthy people. Let's say um, it was about taxation, um, because um, the city of London and all of its various tax havens, right, is a is a racket. It's a racket because they don't pay the amount of tax that they should pay. People might think I'm going off on a tangent here, but I'm, I, I'm not. This links directly to Joe Cox, so just stay with me for a minute. Right, let's just say that uh, Rishi Shunak stood up in Parliament and said, right, we're go- what we're going to do in Yorkshire, we're going to change VAT to 5%. So everyone in Yorkshire just pays 5% on their goods, right? You know, Now, if, 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 that, would, if that were to happen... What would happen? It just wouldn't get passed. People would be up in arms, wouldn't they? What, 5% VAT in Yorkshire? We can't have that. And everyone else is paying 20% tax. That's ridiculous. Well, that's what we got in Jersey, right? So Jersey, they only pay 5%. They call it a different tax, but it's it's effectively VAT in Jersey, right? Um, so these tax havens, they have lower tax rates. 
Um, if I said to you, well, every, every business in Hampshire n now doesn't have to pay a corporation tax, right? And they brought a law in to do that so that anyone in a particular county, their business doesn't pay a corporation tax. All the other businesses in all the other counties would be absolutely up in arms about it. You know, this is a completely unlevel playing field. It's ridiculous. You can't, you can't have that. Everyone has to pay the same amount of corporation tax. But the City of London, in the way that it is organised, protects the, the, the business that goes on in the City of London, in the square mile, from visibility, so that the government can't see a lot of the money that's being made and the transactions are being made, so the tax is avoided. I mean, this is known and it's, and it's admitted to, right? So it's a racket, and that racket has been going on for hundreds of years. Um, so these agreements that the City of London has made with Parliament uh, to so that it doesn't have to pay as much tax as it should, um, they even have their own person embedded in Parliament called the Remembrancer. It's a guy who sits in Parliament in front of the front of the Speaker, and he's employed by the City of London Corporation, and his it's his job to make sure that Parliament is not allowed to ever repeal any of those laws to get the City of London to pay to pay the proper level of taxation. That you know, that's his job. It's, he's a rememberer. I remember in sixteen hundred and whatever when the when Parliament agreed not to charge this or that, right? So that's all his job is, the remembrancer. So we have a completely antiquated tax system where we've got the City of London. It's a bit like, if you imagine a, a, a bucket full of water with a hole in it and, and, the, and, and the water is money, London is the hole. London attracts money into it, it sucks money into it because it doesn't have the same, it doesn't pay the same amount of tax, right? And it has all of these offshore tax havens connected to it, right? So... So the EU comes along, and it knows all about this. It knows all about the the tax haven racket, and it says, well, this is ridiculous. The UK needs to reform its tax laws. We, we need a level playing field. We need Everyone needs to pay. Uh, all transactions need to be visible. They need to be visible to the government so we, can, we know what we're going to tax, and the tax levels need to be the same across the board. And that's what the EU was saying to the UK just before Brexit, and then... In January 2016, they brought in new tax legislation, the EU, which was going to basically sort out these, this tax haven racket, which is what it is, right? Now, there's no reason why the UK government shouldn't sort it out itself and get rid of all of this nonsense that they, that they have with these tax havens, right? But it can't, because they got the remembrancer. <laughs> and, they, and, and it goes back in history as to why all of this was put in place in the first place. So you'd have to undo all of that history in order to get a fair tax system. But the EU, which is a brand new government, comes along and says, no, no, once, once we get Britain in properly, we're going to get rid of all this tax haven racket, right? And that's, that's what Brexit was about for the elites and for the rich people. The people who've got businesses in the city of London and, and work in finance, they don't give a monkey's chuff about immigration. They don't care who's going where or what. They care about protecting their markets and about tax and avoiding as much tax as they can. Now, so how does that link to Joe Cox? Um, so really, the EU in that policy, in that regard, was, was right is right about reforming Britain's tax laws. But that doesn't mean we should be in the EU. We should be able to do it ourselves. So now, if you remember, there was this thing called the Panama Papers leak. And that happened about, I don't know, maybe six weeks, yeah. maybe longer, a few months before Brexit. And what that was was a leak of 
of mainly British tax havens and all the people who had money and transactions hidden in tax havens, all wealthy British people. And it was, people don't realize why that, why that Panama, why those Panama papers were leaked. They were leaked. So in order to try and sway the Brexit vote, they were leaked to say, look, British public, the, the richest 1% of the 1% of your country aren't paying any tax. And here's where they've got their money. This is why we are leaking this information to show you that you need to sort your tax affairs out. And we, we the EU, are going to come and rescue you and do it. So the, so the timing of the Panama Papers was released. It, at that time, I think it was about three months before Brexit. And it caused a massive panic in the government because they had an emergency debate on it in Parliament, right? So the debate was basically the question was, well, are we going to actually do anything about the fact that we've got this tax haven problem? And they had a debate, they had a debate in Parliament and there was a vote on it. And because there's a lot of Conservative voters who are in line with the City of London and what have you, they just voted not to do anything about it. A lot of the more left-wing politicians voted to, to look at the issue and try and sort out the tax haven issue. So the Parliament's voted on it. So this was a few months before Brexit. So then what happens is Joe Cox is still banging on about it. So she wrote articles in the press saying that, well, we've got this Panama Papers leak. Britain's tax uh, system is completely antiquated. It needs reforming, and the EU are going to do it for us, right? So this is threatening the livelihoods and the mega bucks of all those people in the city of London, what Joe Cox was doing, because she was probably one of, if not the most pro-EU MP, along with Stephen Kinnock. Right now, I suspect that Joe Cox was probably an agent of Soros, of George Soros, because my belief, uh, I suspect that Soros actually had those Panama Papers leaked, because in order to get something like that leaked, you need a lot of money in order to get a law firm, because it's a law firm that reside over all that data. You need a lot of money to bribe someone in a law firm to get all that data released, and it, and it was all done through Soros's media. There was a German newspaper that was writing about it, and other Soros-linked organizations were promoting the whole Panama Paper thing. And obviously, we know that Soros is a completely pro-EU. He wants, he wants Britain into the EU, and he wants to do everything that I just explained to completely get rid of the tax havens and all the rest of it. So you've got this one politician who isn't going along with the vote, who's, who's standing up in Parliament making speeches. This is Joe Cox making a, a quote-unquote nuisance of herself, still saying, no, we've got to highlight this issue of the Panama Papers, we need something done about it. <clears throat> now, I suspect that someone in the City of London uh, has sort of said, we're, we're getting really pissed off about this. Um, you know, we, we, she's not working for the interests of her constituents. She is working for some agency or some person in the EU and it's, you're not playing cricket. The, the Parliament have voted not to do anything about these tax havens, so um, we want rid of her. And if you don't get rid of her, we'll get rid of her. That, that's, that, that's something like that, I think, was, it was threatened that she needed to go. And the other thing is with Cox, I strongly suspect she was worked for MI6 as well. If you look at her background... So she's got an allegiance, I think, to some sort of intelligence, and I think she's got she's got a massive allegiance to the EU. She's working for them. She wasn't working for her constituents. She was working for the EU. So I think that the pro, you know, the, the rich people who were trying to get Brexit, you know, the leave, 
who coincidentally are all connected to the city, aren't they? You know, Farage, um, what's the other one? Um, the tough guy, uh, um, Rhys Mogg, they're all ex city, ex city of London people, aren't they? So they were, they, what that was for is to try and protect the city of London markets and make sure that they, that they, that the, the, the tax system is not reformed. So I think there was a plan hatched to, to remove her from her position. And it was, a, it was, a, it was, in, I think it was instigated or demanded by people who were connected to the city of London. And someone, well, if it has to be in, in, in the intelligence agencies, organized the plot to remove her, although I don't think they killed her. You know, they've probably just assigned her as and given another identity and she's probably working as an intelligence agent somewhere else, maybe in Israel, who knows. But so, but what's happened is the plot that they've come up with was then used by the, by the, by the Remain camp as propaganda. I don't think, do you see, do you see where I'm going with it, James? Yeah. <laughs> I the think it's only, more complicated the, I, than simply oh the remain side the remain side did it just to get, get votes. That's 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 far too simplistic. I, I don't doubt it's more complicated than the narrative that we we ascribed to it um, in the if we just mention the event itself. There's no doubt whatsoever that yeah. that, that the, the perpetrator, the alleged perpetrator, Thomas Mayer, was not on Market Street when it happened. This, if you watch my film, it's blatantly obvious that it's another guy. So there was at least two actors involved as the perpetrator. That's that's blatantly obvious. Uh, I had all the CCTV analysed with that, with his walking pattern and the clothing as well. Uh, but yeah, I think it's highly. My only. Um, well, we, uh, yeah, I want to come to that in a second. But I, I would say, if I were to find a flaw in your theory. I would say is that at least publicly the city was overwhelmingly anti-Brexit, not pro-Brexit. Now that right. could have been a, maybe a, a ruse in itself, but, but mm -hmm. all the city people I know um, were, were very, very anti-Brexit. And I, I mean, I live in the country. But did people did were, those people have, billions invested in tax havens. Well, I don't know about that because what people tend not to tell you if they've got billions in, uh, in, in, in tax havens. <laughs> I just know a, a, lot, a lot of city people, whenever I meet city people, they tend to have been remainers rather than, I, I hate to use these terms because I think that's just part of the division anyway, but they, they were generally not Brexiteers. But that's just just my experience. You know, there could be something in your theory. Um, I'm kind of more interested in in if Joe Joe Cox is not dead, where is she, and how did they how do they hide something like that? I mean, she's well, it's such done this before that this is one of the functions of the intelligence agencies reassigning people with new identities. Uh, you know, they do it in certain cases that they admit to. Uh, and and I um, suspect they do it in cases that they don't admit to. Um, you see, she, there was, 
for example, she remained on the floor for an hour and wasn't taken to hospital, and then they took her to London, which was completely against the law. The coroner shouldn't have allowed her body to leave the county where it was, and she was driven down to London. And the, there's no images or uh, uh, even any decent testimony of her actual injuries, just a bit of blood on the floor, that's all we got. And if you look at the people who were close around her when it happened, I think there's a question mark over them. So I think it was acted out, it's my opinion, that it was acted out somewhere else on a previous date with the, with the people who were going to be close by. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I suspect it was hoaxed. But, but definitely Thomas May was not there. Uh, that's proven in my film, I would say. And the whole way that the trial was is ran, uh, where he didn't actually have any is, defense. Is he still in prison? No defending him. Or he didn't present a defense and he didn't speak. That's another clue that he wasn't the guy on trial. He didn't say a word at his trial, not a single word. Um, <clears throat> there's huge doubt do, over whether he do was actually Do you think he's been paid trial. off or what? Say again? Has he been paid off? Is he in prison now? Well, or what, what's there the was one him? thing that I found out, which was that on the day before the murder, or alleged murder, he took a plastic bag full of all of his old childhood photographs around to his mother's house. So that could suggest that he knew he was going away and not never coming back. So he, he may have been a witting accomplice in this, you know, offered a new life somewhere. Uh, I mean, the, the official story is that he's in, he's in Durham prison, and I have actually had a letter from him. In fact, I've had quite a lot of letters off him. I tried to go and see him in Durham prison, but I did a whole program about us tr trying to find him in prison and trying to get communication with him in prison and try and get a prison visit. And then letters started arriving from him. But if you read those letters, in my opinion, it looks like he's just been told to write them. Because um, uh, there's no one managed to get to see him in prison that I know of. I'm not convinced he's in prison. Right. Because there, there were people who there were, I was written to by a couple of prison officers who were at that prison, and they said they'd never seen him uh, or, or even knew he was there. And then when I, <laughs> I published that in one of my shows, that there was prison officers that didn't think he was in Durham prison. And some, no, that was it. Somebody pointed out that he wasn't on. There was a whole list of these Category A prisoners in Durham prison. Right, and his name wasn't on that list on Wikipedia. And then the day after I pointed this out, the, the name, sure enough, it appeared on Wikipedia. But, but there's a chap... See, um, you do make a difference. I'm terrible at remembering names, but um, uh, uh, that I've had on the show. And, and he, he, he went through all... He, he contacted the prison chaplain, he contacted the governor of prisons, he contacted the governor of that prison, he contacted everyone to try and get confirmation that Tommy Mayer was actually in Durham prison. And there's, we've got no evidence that he's in Durham prison. Um, John Asprey, he's called. I mean, he was very, very tenacious and diligent and just the amount of things that he did to try and determine whether Tommy Mayer was in Durham prison or not. And the conclusion was, well, he's not being able to find any proof of it. So Tommy May could have been a, a witting um, participant. Um, either that or he's right. a, a patsy. But he certainly didn't have anything to do with the murder of Joe Cox. Definitely not. Uh, right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. 
Yes. Uh, I mean, look, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's more likely, likely than not that, that she is she is still around. And one of the, I mean, one of the terrible I, I, consequences... I'm, I'm not that. decided on that, James. Uh, she, she may have really been killed, mm. but it means that... The, if that's the case, it means the state of killer. But I, I think it's... Right. Uh, you know, in the culture of hoaxes that we have now, I think it's more likely that, that they've staged her death. And people say, well, what about her children? Is she, would she not want to see her children? Well, if you look at her life with Brendan Cox before all this, these odd things in it. For example, they said that they lived on a barge when she was an MP, living on a barge. Right now, that gives you an excuse to not give a real address. And, you know, the character of Brendan Cox, well, obviously, we haven't got time to go into that. But, I mean, he's a whole other can of worms, Brendan Cox. And, you know, people have said there's no images of Joe Cox when she's pregnant. So are they really her children? You know, maybe that's a ridiculous thing to say. I haven't looked into any of that. I haven't looked. I've not tried to delve into, well, where might she be and is she still alive? Just that there's no evidence that, to, for my mind, that she, that she was killed. It looks more like a hoax to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, where are, I, this is this is probably above your pay grade, but where are you on on David Bowie? David. David Bowie. David Bowie. Do you think he's dead? Yeah. Well, well I would certainly not be surprised if he was still alive I, with something yeah. like that there's there's no evidence either way uh i don't think his body was put on show and uh, that album that last album that he did was just so completely different to all of his other stuff and dark and sort of almost as if he'd done his job now now got to get all of this uh sort of occultic dark stuff that's been controlling them all these years into his final work and then right you've done your job david now off you go to your to your um you know your island with whatever so it wouldn't surprise me but i i wouldn't say definitely i'm not not aware of any evidence either way but uh you know somebody like david bowie would have the means to get the best treatment if he had cancer and also alternative look at alternatives such as German New Medicine or, or what have you, and he's someone who probably would know about certain things. So it did seem quite sudden. Maybe he did die of cancer, but he's someone who I would certainly would not be surprised if David Bowie's still alive. You Richard, I'm glad you said that. I thought you were going to say in your kind of responsible way, I haven't, I haven't researched this, so I don't... <laughs> But you've seen the you've seen the video, haven't you, of of the guy purported to be a, a Bowie fan commenting on TV on his death. Yeah, who who looks quite like Bowie. Yeah, it <laughs> quite like it looks. Right. I, I, mean, I, I don't think that's Bowie. I don't think it's Bowie. I, I did look at that, um, but that doesn't mean that, that's, that I don't think Bowie's alive. That could be a red herring, um, but. Do you know what I mean? Because it it might be discredited at a later date to put to bed those rumours. The thing um, is... The straw man, the, in other words. I, I, I'm with you. I think, look, if there's one thing, thing your research demonstrates, which is why I think you're so incredibly important, um, is that you you lay out rigorously and pretty much unarguably 
the, the steps to which these people are prepared to go to deceive us. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned the 22, you mentioned that, I mean, what it would have, what it would have required to pull off the Manchester Arena PSYOP or, or the Joe Cox operation or whatever, it, it, it sort of, it beggars, it beggars a belief. And I, I, I think that, that until people are, are, are shown in, in some detail mm-hmm. just how our enemies I don't know what do you have a name for our enemies? Do you what, what do you call you don't call them the deep state? What do you call them? No. Um I don't I don't really have a word. Dr. Judy Wood just calls them the crew. The crew. <laughs> crew. I don't really have a the word crew. for them. But just oh, to just interject the- there, if if somebody what the question you've asked there, people need to see more evidence of how they've done the, the, the best film to watch is the Boston unbombing, which it, it, you can't watch that and not know that that, that bombing was staged. So if you want evidence that they do do that, uh, that they do do these things, that's the film to watch the Boston unbombing because it, 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 yeah. it shows clearly the fabricated injuries. Yes. Which were caught on camera. Uh, I would. I'm going to have to watch that. And I mean, look. I, I, in a way, I think I'd, I, I'd thought before we did this this chat that we were going to just go through stage by stage the what happened in Manchester. But actually, I, I think it's a it's kind of a waste of of of, of energy uh, and time of, of your time and my time actually because. It'd be much better if people watched your, got your book, and and watched your documentaries. So I think yeah. it's better if I ask you supplementary questions rather than going through every detail. Yeah. Um. But when I think you've you sort of half mentioned it that they wanted to extend the war with Libya. Um. Oh, by the way, I I, I what what happened to the the, the alleged. Was he supposed to be a suicide bomber, or was he supposed to be a... Yeah, yeah, that's what they've said. But um, I got hold of some police radio communications from someone in a position that had access to them, which is in my film, which showed that he, that there was a, an Asian male with a rucksack got out of a, an Audi vehicle next to the arena not long before the blast happened. And that, I believe, was a getaway, getaway vehicle. And that was chased by the police, and the man was arrested. So I, I believe that was a baby. And uh, plus, you've, you've got other, you've got two eyewitnesses reporting from members of the public saying that he put the bag down and ran out. He ran out of the area after he put the, the device down. So um, I'm fairly convinced that there was no suicide, and that the bomb was a mm. some sort of military type pyrotechnic thing to make, to, to simulate an explosion. Um, but but again, we don't know where Beatty would be now. Um, well, I mean, look, he, to be he's fair, probably living in Libya. Somewhere. Libya, yeah, Libya is a big place, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I, I imagine exactly. it's quite easy going undercover in Libya. Yeah, yeah. And he was probably quite well paid for it. Well, 
I can't comment. I, yeah. Well, no, I, I, I know, I know. I mean, is is it? Yeah, is 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 Manchester kind of your least favourite topic because it's it's the, it's the one that's caused you most grief at the moment? No, I wouldn't say that. Um, it's. Um, I've had. To, I've decided to focus on it, obviously because of what's happened. Yeah. Uh, so, them bringing this action against me has just made me discover more. So, if their intention was to stop information coming out on Manchester, then they failed miserably. When you uh, when you take me out of the equation, uh, and, and their, their intention, if their intention was to suppress the truth about Manchester, then they failed. So, uh, it's, because obviously the whole you know, you could just enter this in a selfish way and just uh, back out and, 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 and drop it all and, and just try and um, concentrate on winning the case and stuff like that. But but thing is, I think it's a foolish thing that they're doing. They should they would have been best ignoring you. That was when Mariana Spring started contacting me. And the, and the whole thing's been a progression from the from the spring thing, the panorama thing, uh, disaster trolls, and, and and then the legal action. So, in my opinion, it's all connected. Although ostensibly we're we're led to believe that it's just um, two alleged victims taking legal action. Even though it's taken a long time, it's now taken over a year now. From 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 that point, nearly a year and a half. It's, it's, I mean, but in the, that in that time, I've, to which... I've, I've made I've made three new films about it, which are all, in my opinion, they're all perfectly legal and they're not libelous and they're and they're, they're not defamatory. They're just um, spelling out facts and then giving my opinion. <laughs> Do you know who my 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 favourite character in your documentary is in the Mar? <laughs> See if you can guess. In in which document? In the Manchester Arena story. Nick Bickerstaff. It's. It is. It's the one that goes around. Oh, and and, and there are so many bodies, and, and, and I'm I'm looking for my daughter, and I can't yeah. see her anywhere, and and, and, and <laughs> It's just. It's yeah. just so shit. I mean, you know, <laughs> just imagine if you, you you and I are both fathers. Imagine if we'd lost our child in a potential bomb incident what would be our first thought well, as we went to look look for for our child i know i'll turn on my my iphone camera and record <laughs> myself it's just like and yet yeah. people buy this shit yeah yeah including neil sanders the, he bought it <laughs> which one was he neil sanders I think you should cut that out anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. He's a yeah, guest. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a guest. Who I was going to say used to, who used to appear on my show, who took part in the Panorama program. He, he took oh, part in the Panorama you see, program. I haven't watched. Saying that he I, thought I was wrong about um, believing that Manchester wasn't what they said it was. See, so see, so uh, yeah. But I'm not. I'm not I can see why you might feel. No, I can see why you, you might feel let down by 
by somebody like that. People are people are easily easily bored. But I share your. I I used to wonder. You know, there was a there was a mafia trial in Sicily a few years ago, and there was this. Well, there were various sort of prosecutors who were put on charge in in charge of the case, and they kind of knew that they were on the hit list. And I used to wonder why it was they carried on. And now I know it's it's that you you get so outraged at the lies being perpetrated, and and that the people who are endorsing these lies are involved in this this conspiracy for want of a better word to deceive you and your loved ones and everybody and you sort of think well i will fight these people at whatever cost because what they're doing is so wrong it just it's just it's against everything i believe in yeah um well, I was going to ask you: Do, do you do you still do your your talks and stuff? I haven't done a lecture since twenty twenty, but um, I may I may well embark on some if, if to generate some funds for my legal case. But I, I don't have any plans just yet. But um, it, it, certainly, it's a possibility. Right. I, but I don't have any plans. Um, we just should to mention my legal fund as well before we go. Just to mention, my, you know, if, if people want to support me and donate to help my legal defence, if you just go to richplanet.net, all the details are on, on there, richplanet.net forward slash legal, and you can read all about the case, you know, the, 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 the claim that's been brought and, and, and the defence. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'd be grateful for any donations to my, to my legal defence. I'm glad. No, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was I was going to give you an opportunity later on, but it's but it's but it's it's good right. to get it in earlier. So that so to, um, I I don't know. I mean, we, we should maybe try and do a do a, a, a live chat sometime before an audience. I mean, I think you'll uh, we we have quite a good rapport. I, I think the I think the issue would be would there be any venue that we that wouldn't cancel us? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, as I say, it's not not on my immediate radar doing something like that. No, no, um, well, I'm just floating the idea. But, but what I was going to ask you was, um, how do pe- the people who turn up to your gigs are they yeah. always completely on side, or do you ever get people who who are who were normies up until that point, and you've you've kind of opened their eyes? Majority are on your side. The vast majority. Um, you might get people who bring someone. They'll say. Richard, I've brought my husband, or I've brought this friend who isn't sure about stuff. He want uh, to, in order to meet you, and then they're skeptical. But generally, after they've met you and they interact with you, they can see that you that you're not trying to be deceptive. They can see that you've got an honest heart, and they, and they they generally you can then um, they will they will accept the information more readily because they've met you. With some people, that, it's they've got a barrier up, and it's just that extra to meet the person and to see that they're that they're a genuine person is enough to then take them further. But it, it's very rare that you get hecklers in who are completely against you or anything like that. Generally, if that happens, it's 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 usually staged. 
is, is, is someone sent there to be, to be deliberately disruptive. Um, um, well, I'm going to I'm going to wrap it up now. Not, not that I, I I particularly want to, because I think we could go on for hours. Mm-hmm. But thank you for coming on the Delling Pod. I, I, thanks you, thanks you, for having me. You may not be aware of this, but you've now you've now enhanced my cover considerably. I mean, people who, who doubted my credibility, even though I am, in fact, an intelligence asset, they're going to see you as, as, as having given your endorsement to me by coming on my show. And that's going to mean that lots of people are going to be fooled and, and, and believe that I'm now a credible figure. So thank you for that. Right, okay. Well, that, that wasn't my intention. Uh, I, I, I did <laughs> look at some of your interviews and uh, judging it on that, obviously, you used to be a, a mainstream media shill, but maybe you're not now. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I don't know. I, I think I tell you what, if I am, maybe if I am genuinely changed. a deep cover agent. Go on, sorry. If, if I am a deep cover agent, you've got to admit I'm bloody good at it. I mean, well, I'm quite convincing. <laughs> But but what would be the point? Let's say you were a deep cover agent. You know, yeah. you haven't learned anything from me that I wouldn't have said to um, Theo Chalmers. No, I look. I think I did, I did a separate chat with this um, on this subject with a guy called Alex from Thinking Slow. That was my most recent podcast, and it's one of those subjects where awake people it's 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 a really it's the most divisive issue even bigger than flat earth which is that the there's that the element which goes why can't we all get along let's present a united front which i think is i call that the pollyanna kumbaya element and then there's where i am now which is look you've got to be suspicious because there are so many people who've been planted and and these plants serve different functions and often they remain in deep cover for a very long time. And you only know that they're, that they are controlled opposition or gatekeepers or whatever. When, when they reveal themselves, whether they reveal their true colors. So I mean, the Alex Jones thing, I mean, that Sandy hook thing, the court case for me was a massive tell. Um, People, Mm -hmm. people have, allotted functions you, you know i think yeah i mean i, I think I, there are gatekeepers who 90 percent of what they say they believe in and they're being honest you know it's it's yeah. just that but this but they're still exercising another role for somebody else uh, and by the way i do i do not subscribe to the flat earth so uh no <laughs> ah do you yeah. know what I didn't. It's, it's until. Well, no, no, no. Seriously, you wait. Wait till you get get there. I mean, the, the, you you haven't got time anyway. You're doing you're doing other important stuff, and you shouldn't. Well, you know, who am I to give advice on 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 careers? I mean, you know, I've I've buggered up mine, but but I have to say, if flat Earth is true, and I think it might be, it is. It, it's it's way better than it makes makes David Bowie is still alive look like you know um, I don't know just nothing 
if if flat earth is right and and we are surrounded by this 200 foot ice wall and beyond the ice wall are these these lands which have only been explored by admiral bird on, on, on in in that brief period when you were allowed to fly over the antarctic which you aren't anymore i mean come on you've got to admit it it, it would be huge if true look Basic astronomy, I can't even believe I'm debating this, but basic astronomy shows <laughs> w- what the Earth is and, and how it moves. Um, when I was 13 years old, I had a computer program which you would type in your position on the Earth and you would type into it <sighs> the current day and time and it would draw a perfect replica of the sky. Right Now, that, now the sky is different as you move around the globe, as you move um, vertically and horizontally. The stars change completely. Mm. as you go past the horizon or as you go further north. So the stars that you see on the North Pole are completely different to the stars you see on the South Pole, and that changes gradually as you move around the Earth. So this computer program, you would type, as I say, your, the current date and the position on the Earth, and it would draw the sky perfectly, and then get my telescope out and look at the stars. So that software has been written on the assumption that the Earth is a rotating globe and that the stars are fixed in the sky. Uh, there's also the seasons so the, the, because the Earth has a, um, a tilted axis as it goes around the sun, that's, that's why you get summer and winter, and that's why the number of hours in a day changes by an exact number of minutes ev- every day. So, so you can't really explain the seasons, the changing amount of daylight as the sun's going around the sun with, with the Earth being on, a, uh, on, an, on an axis. I mean, you, to suggest that that's all just been fabricated just to make it seem like it's a rotating ball... Um, on a tilted axis is uh no I, i'm sorry james you're not gonna you're not gonna get me to change my tread lightly for you tread you tread on my favorite new conspiracy theory no yeah you're, you're probably right i i, I <laughs> and uh, look i didn't come on the show to, to talk to about flat defend earth. flat earth it was merely <laughs> that my last podcast with with somebody who was quite persuasive on the subject and i thought yeah right okay. i quite like this one you know it's it's even better than paul is dead it's it's uh well, anyway. Paul isn't dead. Well, Paul isn't dead. Well, oh, sorry, yes. Yeah, which yes, Paul, sorry, which I'm, Paul uh, do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I was getting mixed up with Bowie there. Bowie, uh, yeah, you Bowie isn't well. dead. Bowie isn't dead. Rookie Paul error. is dead. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you okay. so much for coming on the show. Okay, tell everyone again where they can find your stuff and yeah. how they can support it's, you. It's um, richplanet.net. And uh, there's a menu system down the left-hand side of the page. You'll find everything there. Richplanet.net. Aria, yeah. Richplanet, all one word, .net. And you, you could, I mean, I, I once invested about, like, at least three hours watching a, a documentary about Madeleine McCann on Netflix. Yeah. And I could have saved myself a lot of bother by just going straight yeah. to the, <laughs> the Oracle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've not Such looked at a that waste some of time. time now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Richard. Um, and if you've enjoyed this podcast, like, you know, this is my living as well. Um, please do support me. I, buy me a coffee. I, I always like being bought a coffee or buy me 500 coffees if you want to. That's, that's even better. Um, Support me on Substack is probably the best place. I think the, the, uh, locals or Substack are the, uh, are the two best. I've still got Patreons and Subscribe Stars. 
And you can find my website, which is jamesdellingpole.co.uk. Splendid looking website. You can find out all about me, why I'm, I'm who I am and what makes me tick and, and where you can. I, oh, and advertise. Um, I, I really appreciate the sponsorship. It, it, it actually works because I think the audience I, I, I've got is, 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 is loyal and committed and they do buy your products if, if, if you've got a good product, which I, and I don't advertise shit products, obviously. Um, so anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you again, Richard D. Hall. I Great, really for admire me. what you do. It's been, a, it's been t- too long waiting for you, and, and here you are at last. This will make lots of people's – if I release it over Christmas, this will be their best Christmas present ever, although it may be released after well, that. I, I hope know. so. <laughs> good. All right, thanks, James. Thank you. Thank you. The information that I, Richard D. Hall, put forward in this interview is my honestly held opinion based upon information and evidence that I have been able to verify as is reasonably practical. Any assertions that I make are being made as a considered hypothesis, not as assertions of absolute fact.